Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Again, for another episode of Bar Talk Radio, brought to you in part by the United States Bartenders Guild Atlanta Chapter, broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel studios in Atlanta and around the world. And now, please welcome your host, Anthony Porquez. Good afternoon, everybody. Happy Friday. This is uh, Anthony Porquez, your Atlanta USBG president and host of Bar Talk Radio. Today, we are going to continue the conversation about Atlanta beverage culture, as we always do. And uh, wanted to thank everybody for coming out to the last month's panel. We had an excellent uh, bar career panel uh, featuring Tiffany Barreri, Ian Cox, Caleb Cribb, Brian Boykin, Miles McCrary, and Paul Calvert. Big thanks to all you guys. It was super informational for everyone who was there. They had nothing but great things to say about it. And it really prompted this discussion about Atlanta food and beverage culture and where we're going. And we were able to talk a lot about the different kind of roles uh, here in Atlanta in our industry. And today we're going to go and honor some of the requests of some of our members about going a little bit deeper about distributorship and brand ambassador topics. So um, today, we're going to go uh, talk to Savannah Distributing. We have a couple of representatives here. We also have um, Casey Teague here from Liquid Culture. And uh, so we're really going to have a great show about these two facets of our business, which affects everybody with your bartender, a bar manager, what have you. So with that being said, I want to dive right in here and introduce uh, our guest. Today we have uh, Federico here from a um, Savannah Distributing, and also uh, Jason. And uh, we have, again, uh, Casey Teague from Liquid Culture. How are you guys doing today? Doing great, Anthony. Doing well. Yeah. Thanks, for, yeah. Thanks for having us. Thank you for coming. Yeah, as I say, um, really great to have you guys. You know, uh, we've all had conversations about Atlanta food and beverage culture before, and it's a really interesting time to be here in Atlanta. Um, first, I just wanted to, you know, get to know you guys and let everyone know who you guys are, what you guys do. So, um, you know, Fed, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got started in, in the industry? Sure. Uh, grew up a little bit south of Boston, came down here for school, went to Georgia Tech, uh, started working at a liquor store in Midtown. So unlike a lot of us, I actually came from the off-premise side. Um, <clears throat> so I started working at Max when I was 18, um, worked there for about seven years, um, graduated from Tech, uh, couldn't really get a job because the <laughs> economy was pretty bad. Uh, it took me um, maybe like five or six months, um, but ended up landing with Savannah as a rep, um, so started calling on Buckhead, um, probably around that time, maybe a little bit before that. Um, I kind of had a wine background originally when I was at Max. I went on a trip to New Orleans and went to this bar called Cure. Uh, it was kind of like the first time I ever had a cocktail that wasn't, you know, a Washington apple or something like that. Cure's those, a legit spot. Those, yeah. are, those are good cocktails. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you can make me one after the show, Casey. It'd, it'd be great. Um, but it kind of blew me away. I'd never really had a drink like that before. And then I kind of became, like, self-obsessed with, you know, cocktailing at home. Um, I think the first thing I did when I came back was buy a bottle of, you know, creme de violette or something. And oh, yeah. I started messing around with stuff at home, just got really into cocktailing. 
Um, so that, you know, kind of became my passion, at least. Um, and so obviously it was great that I landed with Savannah. Um, we kind of have a weird esoteric portfolio, so it kind of put me in front of all the people in Atlanta that were doing really cool stuff at the time. And, you know, I just fell in love with the, especially the people in the bar industry here are just great. They're so, you know, smart and passionate. Um, and it's cool to be able to talk to people about stuff outside of drink culture, too, when you're sitting down having a drink with them Absolutely. here, you know, and, like, all the bartenders here are just really awesome people. So, and that's, you know, basically where we are today. Um, a couple of years ago, I started kind of helping out with the spirits program specifically at Savannah and moved on from being a rep. Um you know, and then maybe about a year and a half ago or so, Jason also started helping us with that. So now we're kind of tag teaming it, so to say. Um, yeah, that's it. That's great. What about what about you, Jason? What's your background, and how did you get started in this whole industry? So it's not too dissimilar from Federico's story, though. Instead of off-premise, I started on on-premise uh, in restaurants and bars. You were at Leon's, right? Yeah. So that's where I learned uh, basically all I knew about spirits from. Uh, the bar manager there now, uh, owner of uh, Kimball House and bar manager there, he taught me a lot. But um, it basically started through college. I actually went to college uh, and got a degree in anthropology with a focus in archaeology. I guess I thought it was going to be Indiana Jones. But, uh, <laughs> Putting that degree to work, Yeah, right? exactly. Um, unearthing old bottles of booze now more than anything else. But, yeah, so through college I uh, worked in bars and restaurants um, and uh, developed a – wealth of knowledge about spirits, uh, beer too, uh, and wine and, uh, got out of school, um, had a wealth of knowledge in booze and a wealth of knowledge in archeology. span <laughs> And at the time the economy wasn't booming. Uh, what a so, combination that is yeah. <laughs> booze and archeology. span So it was, it was go one yeah. way or the other. And I didn't want to become a uh, professor and some old I, dusty bottles. Exactly. <laughs> That's, I still have a brush. We can brush them off with, but, um, yeah, so, uh, I looked, started looking for a job in booze, which was great. Um, it was hard. Actually, I tried to foray into, you know, the corporate world and uh, a nine-to-five, uh, you know, office job. And mm-hmm. I realized that I really can't hang out with normal people. I have to be around <laughs> weirdos like you guys. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, everybody out there listening. Drugs. Works you can just well, say it out loud. Whatever. It's okay. No, there's, it's okay just a that. whole different kind of culture. We're, we're a lot more uh, fun-loving and just different so yeah, yeah. for so sure found my way to this industry um been loving it uh savannah came calling and i'm could never be happier um our portfolio is super uh, esoteric and got a lot of smaller brands and really high quality things that are kind of under the radar so it's uh it's fun i'm still unearthing bottles of booze in our portfolio right like i was stuff in archaeology so it's it's great yeah as Fed's <laughs> drinking a beer that he knows nothing about which, exactly. is, which shows the esotericness of some nature lemonade beer and i'm uh, i'm sipping on a scotch that it's the first time i've had it is, is, this carry, is a good so. scotch 18 year old scotch yep. cheers so uh you guys are your official title is craft spirits manager correct what does that mean what does a craft spirits manager um, do? so kind of we do a lot of things um kind of like a jack of all trades i would say for the our spirits portfolio um because we have a lot of small brands that can't really afford reps, you know, for this market, um, we kind of take that, like, ad hoc sort of de facto position of doing that for a lot of small brands. Um, so, you know, we are kind of like the liaison for a lot of these suppliers in this market. So that includes doing, you know, presentations, trainings, um, helping with menus where it's needed, um, you know, training our staff, um, things like that. Um, we do a little bit of, like, product acquisition. Um you know, kind of scoping out what the bar people are looking for, you know, like 
like going to your bar if there's something that you're looking for you know maybe we can try to find it for you or you know and learn about it together which is kind of fun yeah that's kind of cool i mean like how how do you guys do that how do you determine or forecast we or you know what kind of products do you think would perform well in the market I think, Fed, you should take the reins on this because you had a great success, I think, before I even started with the company with the Tempest Fugent line of spirits. So how did that come about? Yeah, um, well, that one was kind of, honestly, was a little selfish on on my (laughs) part. (laughs) Um, You know, I was kind of reading about some of their stuff in Imbibe and, you know, this guy, John Troya, that was making all this, like, really cool, like, pre-prohibition recipes that he was unearthing in all these really old journals and diaries and stuff. And it just sounded really awesome. And there wasn't really anything like that in the market. So... You know, I kind of kept pestering, uh, you know, my boss at the time and our uh, previous GM uh, about it. And through some sort of, like, really bizarre, like, mafia-like almost connection, we ended up getting it from some, like, warehouse in New (laughs) New Jersey or something. Um, So, like, we ended up getting it, and I knew, like, a lot of the bartenders here were really interested in the brand, and they had, um, you know, heard of it or tasted it at, like, Tails, maybe. Um, (laughs) uh, So there were were people here that were interested in it. It just kind of, like, was flying under the radar, and at that time, I think no one was really looking for stuff like that. Like, taking a flyer on a a line of, like, $30 liqueurs that are, like, super weird and esoteric is was kind of risky but i think it ended up working out so yeah i think i think we're doing okay with that brand right i mean yeah, really yeah that's a great pretty well known group of spirits they're some of the best i mean i love john troya his uh philosophy behind it is if he can't make the best in the category he's not going to make it so mm-hmm. it's a it's a definitely a fun sell and fun to work with absolutely the they yeah. do a ton of cool stuff too yeah. yeah yeah so being a part of a distributor savannah distributing uh What's basically what's basically the history of of like distri- distribution as you know it here in Georgia? Real quick, I know it's a long history, but yeah. if you can just kind of highlight um, from people who so, don't know, you know, when the Twenty First Amendment repealed the Eighteenth Amendment, the you know U.S. government installed this mandatory three tier system for alcohol distribution and sales, basically as a way to make sure that the government was actually getting taxes from ev- on everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know that the three tiers are you know the supplier or the producer importer whatever then the wholesaler which is us and then the uh, retailers so the bars and the package stores um in georgia i think it took a little bit longer than 1933 i think it wasn't until like 37 maybe or 38 uh, 37 or 38 and that's when we started we tend to adopt things really late yeah and then you know we so our company started in savannah actually you know our atlanta warehouse is only about 20 years old i think so we're kind of fairly new up in atlanta but you know in savannah we're kind of the the OG, so to speak, on the uh, wholesale side. Um, and then, you know, that's that, I guess, in terms of the history of it. But And, yeah, we're we're a three-tiered franchise system, right? So I, I think yes. Caleb Cribb did an awesome job at our panel discussing, really going in depth about that here and how mm-hmm. that works uh, in the state. Uh, if you can enlighten us on what other kinds of systems are there. Yeah, so in Georgia, um, basically the wholesale and the retail side are private, privately owned. So there are states where they're um, basically the government has a like a monopoly on either the retail and the wholesale side, or just the wholesale side. Um, those are called either like ABC states, alcohol beverage control states, control states. There's you know a lot of monikers for it. Right. Um, so some you know state like North Carolina, for example, Virginia, Pennsylvania. You know there's there's a bunch of them. Um, and so in those states, basically the the wholesale, the wholesaler, and the retailer are just owned and operated by the government or a gov- government contractor. Okay, cool. Yeah, there's fun little 
quirks to every state. Every state's got its quirk. Um, one of the strangest, I think it was North Carolina. The so you, you, here, you know, your bar can order from us directly, whatever size bottle, basically a seven fifty or a liter of whatever spirit they want. I think in North Carolina, until recently, the bar would have to go to the government liquor store and purchase uh, only 50 ml sizes. South Carolina. South, South Carolina, Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, there's just these bizarre, every state's got its own, own own spin on it, so. Right, right. You always knew somebody from South Carolina when they would order something three ways. And you were <laughs> like, you're from South Carolina, aren't you? And they are like, how did you know? I was like, because you're the only people that order drinks like that. Like, it was. How do they order drinks? <clears throat> shot, well, they would order shots like that. They would give me, like, Four Washington apples, and they would want it three ways. Uh, Casey's favorite drink, That's Washington <laughs> apples. It's a classic, mm. I, you know. So did I unearth something earlier? <laughs> yeah, with that? I, I have, I have Washington, I have a Washington apple tattooed on my back. To, I've seen it. Yeah, which, I've seen it, and it's, it's big. It's my entire back. What's your, what's your, what's your recipe on a Washington apple? I don't even remember. I'm just kidding. <laughs> apple pucker, yeah. apple pucker, crown, apple pucker, and cranberry, uh, cranberry juice. Maybe cranberry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's yeah, been see, a minute since I've made it's, it's, it's all there. It's all Casey. hanging out there. You don't need to pretend, Casey. <laughs> I know. I was... He has a recipe tattooed on the Washington <laughs> apple on his tramp stamp area. Exactly. Yeah. So moving on, Who's like um, it says, talk... resuscitate with this. <laughs> So, so moving on, Savannah Distributing. Like, well, it, there's a lot of distributors in town, and you know, um, we know a lot of them. What, what was about? What's special about Savannah Distributing? Why do you guys work there opposed to somewhere else? Do, do you think? Uh, that's a great question, and um, you know, it's. It comes I've only stayed there because of Jason. Well, <laughs> <laughs> likewise, Boo. Federico's <laughs> pretty face. That's what keeps me. Um, you know, I think it's it, it's from the top down. I mean, we have great owners, and we're still owned by. Uh, the family that basically are relatives of the family that started the company. So um, we are, you know, it's still a small business. I mean, we do we do a lot of volume, but we're still a small business at heart. And there's a lot of love there and um, love for our suppliers and for our employees. And it, it trickles down. And, you know, it's nice to know that the owner knows your name and your managers know who you are and are invested in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and this is probably cliche to say, but it really does feel like working for a family. Um, it just operates differently than a lot of places I've worked for. And, you know, my old boss, Mac Thurston, told me the day I left to start with Savannah, this business is too small to burn bridges. And I feel like we kind of operate with that mentality. Absolutely. You know, like, it's this business is pretty incestuous, and you really never know who you might be working for in six months. It's very true. And so I just kind of like that we operate like that. We we treat everyone fairly, I think, you know, our suppliers, our customers. Um, I mean, I just kind of like that general mentality. So, And, I mean, also, the fact that we get to work with small brands. Um, yeah. We're not being kind of dictated how to do our job by large multinational corporations, stockholder interest, and in whatever right. we're trying to sell. We're working on the, this tiny little scotch that uh, – is just happy to have it be in our book, you know. And yeah, it's a lot like you know working, you know, in a restaurant that's privately owned versus a mm-hmm. big conglomerate. Sure, or something that has a restaurant group that has yep. like seven different restaurants under it. You know, the you know the red tape can get pretty thick at that point. So I completely understand that. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's all really great stuff. Um, I'm gonna turn a spotlight on the Casey here a little bit. So. Um, Casey, what I mean, what's your background, and how did you get in this industry? I mean, we talked about the distributor side, and what you do is is tightly knitted to. I mean, we're all in this room because we've worked to, together right. on a lot of different things. So, 
Um, why don't you just share a little bit of your background? Well, I come from the restaurant side. Uh, I spent about um, <clears throat> 20 years trying to get out of the restaurant business. Um, <laughs> and then uh, I found out that um, this is just what I do. <laughs> so uh, I wound up going. Um, <clears throat> I worked at, uh, at a little place called Fido for many, many moons. I've heard of that. And, uh, small little place. It's a small yeah. little place. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then uh, Very quaint pub. I left there and uh, went to uh, opened up Mac McGee. That was my my baby that I created. Uh, that was the first real serious uh, whiskey bar in Atlanta. Uh, we had uh, when I was there, we had 500 whiskeys behind the bar. I think we owe you a thank you for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank so you from whiskey lovers everywhere. Yeah. So when we were opening that pub, it was like, what are we going to be? Like she had the brick store across the street, and it was like, well, we can't be a beer bar because. The brick store is the beer bar, and we all love the brick store. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's no point in being that. And we sat around and we thought, well, what do we else do we really love? And everybody was like whiskey. So what year was that when you that was opened up? 2010. 2009. We opened in 2010, and then 2009. So the very here. first whiskey focused bar opened up in <clears throat> Atlanta, 2010. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. If you've never been yeah. there, that binder of whiskey is quite the study. I think I spent. Meaning a drunken night after stumbling <laughs> over from Leon's over there. <laughs> <laughs> Study uh, up. Yeah, they, they just redid it. Where they went from 60 pages to 90 pages. Whoa. So there's over 600 bottles uh, of whiskey. What size font now. is that in? I didn't even so. realize there were <laughs> <laughs> whiskeys here. It's, uh, <laughs> it's an int.9. So really, really. Bring Served your, with bring magnifying glass? Exactly. Yeah, and in Decatur, no less. Yeah, Before then, Decatur became right. a really hot spot to live yeah. or to, to go to. I mean, that's Yeah, it was kind of on the upcoming trend then, and then... Uh, it would really kind of blew up just recently. Yeah, uh, Decatur is definitely the the hot spot for sure. Um, so yeah, I, I was I just came from that side, and uh, you know I, I had this inkling, uh, you know, around 2011 um, about all the craft distilleries here that were kind of popping up in Georgia, and I did a, an event at Mag McGee where we invited all the distilleries, uh, all the distillers to come and talk about it. Uh, ironically enough, and it was actually on. Uh, the repeal of Ro- Prohibition Day, uh, which I did not plan at My all. My favorite it just Totally My worked out. Holiday, for sure. <laughs> um, Happy repeal day, everyone. And uh, and I got to know a lot of these guys. Um, and you know, I kind of, I kind of stuck in the back of my head what these guys were doing. I was always very whisk- whiskey focused. Um, and then, uh, in your nickname, like Uncle Whiskey. Uncle Whiskey. Yes. <laughs> yeah. so I was. I went to Holman Invention. Was the and resurgence. And, uh, where we first met and worked yep, together. Where yeah. I m- worked with Anthony, uh, and that was the whiskey specialist for, for that group, mm. um, and created a whiskey society for them. Um, you know, we did whiskey tastings and events. Uh, same thing I had done at Mac McGee, and just kind of just reinvented it over there, uh, but with a bottle shop aspect for more of an off-premise kind of uh, aspect as well, which and was that, really kind of cool. And that was for the entire restaurant group, Resurgence yeah, Hospitality that was group, for right? Resurgence Hospitality yeah. is what it was for, so... Yeah. Um, so yeah, we created that whiskey society, and we would write a weekly newsletter. Would review about six whiskeys a week, um, and the goal was, you know, really to show highlight all these different whiskeys that are out there, and then also kind of, you know, also sell whiskey. And it was amazing how, you know, if we put we could sell cases of whiskey in in about thirty minutes uh, with a, with a single email blast, uh, depending on what it, what was on there, right? Uh, which was mind boggling, really at the at the time. Um, and you cultivated a, like, a really nice list of whiskeys, allocated yep. whiskeys. So, yeah, yeah, that was the goal, to kind of bring them up to kind of the forefront of, you know, the have put Holman & Vench on the whiskey map. Um, 
And we won a couple of awards and nominated for things for being one of the best whiskey bars uh, there and at, at Mag McGee. Right. Um, and you had, you can thank Federico for that, too, in Summer Sense, right? Because that's your account, isn't it? It was. Yeah, well, yeah. I guess it still is. It still, still is. is. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, was, yeah. that was Fed's account. <laughs> <laughs> so you're strong-arming Fed. Like, yeah. I want this. Yeah, need I need this. this. Yeah. <laughs> that was where I met Casey, too. So I didn't, I didn't, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. So, Casey, like, uh, obviously that you you had this this background as a bartender and now you you were – you, you kind of branded yourself as this this whiskey specialist now like how tell us about liquid culture how did that start from from stepping what you did so like i said i always had that the idea of the the craft spirits in the back of my mind um and when i left mac mcgee i kind of had this idea i was trying to get out of the restaurant business again um like i always am and uh <laughs> and i'm always had discussion yeah, when you I'm hit always your 30s back man in. Hey, <laughs> when you hit your 30s shaking th- it's tens. a hokey pokey you know you put, i i, I like, agree with you Casey, so i know how it was <laughs> yeah um but i you know i i knew i got to know a lot of these guys that had opened you know these distilleries in georgia uh jim chastine from american spirit or asw distilling uh eric vonk from um richland rum uh, Michael Anderson uh, from Independent Distilling. When I first met him, he wasn't even open, um, you know. I, and I kept in touch with these guys and just kind of was followed them for a little bit. And then, you know, I saw how craft beer what had happened in the craft beer market and said, you know, this is going to happen with craft distilleries. Um, I want to be a part of this, you know, somehow. Yeah. So thinking about what how to be a part of it, my first idea was to go to these guys and say, hey, look why don't you have somebody work the market for you? You know, if we kind of band together, um, you know, you can, we can share the costs of having one person kind of go to the market and talk to people and present your brands. You know, like you don't have anybody doing that now. Which is a really interesting model because essentially brand ambassadors have been reserved for like bigger brands. Right, and right. usually it's only one brand that you adhere to. Yep. Um, Jason, Fed, how often do you guys work with brand ambassadors? Like... Every and week, ha- every week, every week, right? Mm-hmm. At least once a week. And we, so, your their model versus what Casey and I are doing in terms of that how does how does that differ from your perspective? Um, well, I mean, so you guys are are basically like a broker for the most part, right? Yeah, we're weird. We're weird. Not really brokers. We, I mean, we're definitely more brand ambassadors, but we yeah. also uh, offer other things as well. Um, you know, we do label design, website design. Um, we do events. Events. Yeah. Uh, we a lot of a lot of different things that uh, that people don't. Other. So I mean, like the you know the big thing I guess in general would be that you know you know you guys are kind of cover a lot the wide portfolio of brands where you know most brand ambassadors are like super specific and it's just you know one or two products maybe or just like one product line. Sure. You know? Right. Um, which is kind of cool. I think it puts you guys at, in a cool spot where you can you know present stuff that like works together synergistically. It's not just like one product. You know. Yeah. Yeah, um, for sure. That's kind of like the biggest difference, I guess. Yeah. And in terms of like Georgia and this whole trend, because, you know, obviously this is all possible for the laws changing, mm-hmm. you know, right. like for a long time, you know, like what was it? Budweiser was keeping a lot of craft beers out of out of the city and then that went away. And then they still try. They, <laughs> <laughs> they just buy them now. And then, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dangerous uh, territory. Yeah, we are. We're, 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 we're walking on eggshells here. But um, and then, you know, of course, these these craft spirits, these local spirits are coming up. And now, I mean, like how many how many craft spirits are, are being made in Georgia now? In I Georgia? Mean, there's, it's crazy. Oh, there's 14 right Four, now. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. 14. Yep. I'm sure there'll be a couple more by the end of the year. I mean, it's it's nuts. Yeah, Yeah. that's insane. So, I mean, that's really exciting, you know, in terms of the spirits world for Georgia. Yeah, it's nice, you know, to see us growing, especially, 
mean, we're not like the easiest state to start a brewery or distillery in, so it's kind of nice to see it growing. I mean, it's just always cool to have local stuff that people can kind of turn to and be proud of, you know. And so it's, I'm glad that people are making great products at least. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's it's great that um, our generation, especially, I think, has really started to embrace, you know, local, whether it's food or wine or whatever. George is huge I mean, on local. And, you know, yeah. I mean, especially our generation. So with more of these coming online, I mean, I think it's definitely sustainable and um, it's an exciting future and it's, it's, it's great to be here and be a part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's definitely started to pick up. We've definitely seen a trend. I mean, this is like this is the almost the third year that I've been doing this. And, you know, the first year and a half, it was, it was definitely a struggle. People weren't even interested in what you know, what we were walking around with. Uh, but now, with the introduction of new products and, you know, more, more attention being drawn to the category, we've really seen a trend for, you know, people putting, you know, cocktails on the menu um, with, with local spirits and focusing on that. Absolutely. You know, uh, package stores creating a whole local section uh, of Georgia products. Um, it's really cool to see this. I mean, it's really cool to be in Atlanta right now, not just from the restaurant That's side, fine. but, I mean, the spirit side, the beer side. I mean, we're really witnessing are in a revolution of sorts. I, I agree. I mean, the whole city right now is very dynamic, and the whole region, the Atlanta metro region, is just an exciting place to be. And as a kid, you know, you always want to leave where you grew up. And, I mean, over the last 10 years, I, I, I've seen no reason to leave this place. I mean, there's yeah. no telling what the city, what this town's going to look like in, in a few years. Yeah, I mean, I love, I think the big thing for me, the sign, is like you're seeing not just the cocktail bars, like the other places are wanting to do cocktails, you know, mm-hmm. and they might reach out to Jason or me, um, mm-hmm. you know, and they want help to do a cocktail menu. And that's, to me, that's kind of the the big indication that it really is getting serious because, you know, you need that kind of like middle ground. And, you know, a lot of people, if they go to, you know, Kimball House or something for the first time and they've never had a cocktail before, like they kind of get like sticker shock they don't really understand right. what's going on Those you know people exist <laughs> <laughs> so like having that like intermediary is like the sign that people are starting to be interested in it and curious Absolutely. about it and well, i think that's great and it's even outside the city i mean we go to like augusta and there's people oh, interested in it there yeah. or OTP, Columbus. Man. otp is the future there's yeah. it's amazing what they got well out people there. E- yeah. people expect cocktails now uh when they go to mm-hmm. a restaurant or yeah. bar like i mean it's it's amazing like the places that you go into that you would never think would have a cocktail menu have a serious, co- I mean, a, a decent cocktail menu. Um, yeah. So yes, it's really cool. Yeah, Paul Calvert and uh, Miles McCurry even noticed, like they they said in the panel, like the nice thing about where we're at now, right now is you're seeing better cocktails in more places. Yeah. You know, and then um, and those they would know it. So. Yeah, they would. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> those guys are, are OGs for sure. So that's cool. So on the top of Atlanta, like if you had a crystal ball and you could predict the future, like what would you think that the future of Atlanta is in terms of our industry and where we're going? I mean, I we'll think... We'll start with you, Fed, yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think we're going... I mean, I kind of see it staying on the traje- trajectory it is now. You know, I, I don't really see that changing that much. I mean, I I think we're criminally underrated as a food and uh, beverage city. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, we were with a supplier last week who completely agreed with us you know she was like yeah i go to like these really big places in like chicago or wherever and then i come to atlanta and i'm like these tiny places that no one talks about nationally just blow all these away Mm -hmm. and i'm not really sure why that is i mean i think i would put our bar people and restaurant people up against any in the country and i mean i think we just need to keep doing what we're doing and eventually you know you know we'll get there i think 
Yeah, we're running in our last few minutes here. Casey, 30 seconds. What do you see for the future of Atlanta? I think we're going to see a lot more of that local interest. Um, we're going to see a lot of these small craft guys really coming up with some really new and interesting products. We're going to see a lot of collaborations uh, between brewers and distillers. Which I love um, about distilleries, how everyone is, works together. Yeah, which is really, really yeah. cool because it's still a really small community. Right. Um, so that's it's nice to keep everybody kind of tight-knit. Um, and with the changing of the laws and the tours that the distillery is going to be able to do, is going to be really boost there for the breweries and the distilleries their their entire uh, product. Jason, what about you? Thirty seconds. Future Atlanta. Sure, um, uh, we're going to have more people, more traffic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the good oh part gosh. about that means more neighborhood bars, and I think those little neighborhood bars Definitely. are going to go from your smoky dive bar, which I love. But they're going to be smoky dive bars that actually have, you know, great local spirits and great great uh, craft spirits, and you'll be able to get a nice glass of whiskey, nice glass of uh, gin anywhere in this town. Awesome. Yeah, so I want to take the last few minutes here like uh, to let you guys plug or announce anything that's going on. Like, what's, Is any Savannah uh, doing anything that's coming um, up? You know, we're kind of getting into like festival season, so our beer folk are going to be pretty busy. We'll be at all the major beer festivals, Decatur Beer Fest, you know, et cetera, um, Taste of Atlanta. I'm what's sure Decatur we'll be Beer Fest in. again? Do you know? Um, I want to say it's like Early October. Exa- early October, yeah. yeah. Um, that's kind of the big one. So if you're if you're into that, definitely make sure you you don't miss that one. I like beer. Um, and then just you know <laughs> we do a lot of events and stuff. Just check us out. We're I think on Twitter at Savdist, um, and same handle on Instagram. Yeah, I just started following you guys, so that's great. Thank you, Casey. What about what about us? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what about us? Anthony's asking well, you where you're going to send them after the show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to keep my USBG <laughs> hat on, man. That's all. Uh, I'm trying to <laughs> uh, we're going to be hosting a uh, an event uh, at William Sonoma uh, coming up on um, <clears throat> the twentieth. The twentieth, yeah. July twentieth, Pond City Market. At Pond yeah. City Market. Yeah. yeah, I totally forgot the dates. Uh, and then. Um, the one at Avalon, uh, July 22nd, uh, we'll be hosting an event up there as well. Um, and then uh, we're looking, could be possibly doing something with the Fry Boot Company coming up um, on August 10th. Some nice Great. shoes. Yeah, um, for as sure. Well. And also, <laughs> the like uh, don't forget that the, all the distilleries and breweries will actually be able to do direct sales. And the distilleries will actually be able to do cocktails starting September 1st. Cool. Uh, hit up so your local distilleries. Hit your guys. local distilleries for sure. I got, uh, I'm going to like spit out my announcements real quick for USBG. Uh, so, uh, just so you guys know, who are your, if you're members, we have no July chapter meeting due to Tales of the Cocktail, which is the 18th to 23rd. Our next meeting will be August 21st uh, from 1 to 3. Uh, our, our good friend Mike Jones at the Consulate will be hosting uh, Don Q. So, that'll be a fantastic meeting. Uh, on top of that, um, if you are going to Tales, there is a Facebook group. Uh, it's called Tales of the Cocktail Georgia 2017. Highly suggest that if you're going, that uh, you go ahead and be a part of that and get all the information there. Uh, because we don't have a meeting this month, we're going to do a fun event. I'm um, working with uh, the great Jonathan T- uh, Turner with Angels Envy to do an R&D day on uh, July 15th and then a Shoot the Hooch day. At the 16th. So we're sending that information. We're just going to float down a river. Sign me up for that. I think he actually has a floating <laughs> bar, guys, Ooh. on the river. If I mean, I'm, I'm just so amen for that. Let's <laughs> <clap it up. laughs> you know? um, I personally want to give a shout-out, too, to uh, Bobby Crocker, who set up me, uh, Trip Sandifer, um, David Dixon, and uh, Bobby uh, Gover just this week to the Hacienda Patron uh, Cocktail Development Program. 
Uh, we had a fantastic time. If you are a USBG member, they have trips all year round. You guys can go out there, check out this beautiful, exclusive Hacienda, which is a five-star resort on crack. Highly suggest it. You drink, you'll drink the most incredible tequila, too. So thank you so much, Bobby Crocker, for that. Um, if you're um, Also, to let you know if just all about this show, like if you are an establishment, a brand, or a distributor who wants to sponsor a show, please feel free to reach out to me about that. Um, it's an excellent platform to share your story and to also uh, get in front of the best bartenders and industry people in Atlanta. Um, also, to all you bartenders listening out there, we invite you to check out a USBG meeting or event. We're all about getting new members. We are doing this radio, sh radio show basically to keep this conversation going because, as we mentioned, Atlanta's changing. We're growing. We have, we have to build this identity. We have to start talking about it. Definitely. So we'd love to have you guys come in, check out a meeting for free if you'd like. Um, we have everything on Facebook, so drop in, check us out. We'll have this link up around on that, too. So um, that being said, thank you for joining us for this episode of Bar Talk Radio. Big thank you to Jason, Federico, and Casey thank for you. being here. Thanks. Thank you, Anthony. Also, yeah. thanks to my team, uh, Eric Zollicoffer, my treasurer, and the rest of my USBG membership, new, uh, new membership ambassador team while I was, uh, for holding it down while I was in Mexico. Uh, I can't do this job without you guys, and I have nothing but love for you. So uh, join us on our next show, August 3rd. We're going to be with uh, Herder Tequila. Until then, thank you so much, guys, for being here. This has been awesome talking with you. And, uh, you know, let's uh, cheers. grab a drink out cheers. of this. Huh? Yeah, cheers, guys. Good. All right, cheers. Thank you so much. <laughs> There's nothing thank like scotch in a plastic Use the social media links here to share today's show and stay tuned for the next episode of Bar Talk Radio. Brought to you in part by... United States Bartenders Guild Atlanta Chapter. Connect on Facebook at Atlanta USBG Chapter or visit usbg.org and check out more episodes at bartalkradio.org. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.